0: Five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast celebrates black history month and my guest today from khan the caribbean and african health network is chief officer charles kwaku adoy charles joins me to share about the topic of health inequalities kidney disease and the black community and the work of khan hi and welcome to diary of a kidney warrior podcast how are you doing today charles
1: yeah, I'm. I'm good. Thanks, and thanks to you, Dee, for the opportunity to do this recording. So, thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. It really is an honor to have you here on the podcast. And we are celebrating Black History Month on Diary Kidney Warrior podcast. And today we are looking at the topic of health inequalities, kidney health, and the Black community. And so, I really wanted to. Speak with you today about the work of Khan, the Caribbean and African Health Network with the Black community. So, I'm going to kick off with my first question. And my first question is please tell me about Khan and the work that you do.
1: So, the Caribbean African Health Network, Khan, was started in 2017. It was on the back of our chair, Dr. Faye Bruce's PhD, that was looking at cardiovascular disease and why. Black people tend to have poorer cardiovascular outcomes. And during her PhD, she obviously had to run focus groups. And when she was running those focus groups, people were asking what she was going to do with the data, saying they get consulted all the time, but don't get any feedback or don't know what happens to the information they pass on. And then Faye did promise to do something with the data. But the more focus groups you run, the more the same issues were coming up and lo and behold, 10 people came together, you know, a CIC was formed. So the real vision for the Caribbean African Health Network is to eradicate health inequalities and the wider disparities for Caribbean and African people. So although the focus is health and well-being, we're also very conscious of the wider social determinants of health. So how someone's employment and housing and where they live and all those indicators, how it impacts on you know, health and well-being. So we're very much conscious of that. And our mission really as an organization is to make sure that our community is no longer labeled as hard to reach, but we provide a bridge to commissioners, to service providers. And for us, it's about that strategic involvement. And then we have a strapline of influencing policy and practice. So Khan is all about making sure that Whenever services are being designed or policies are being formulated, especially health policies or any policies that will impact on people's health and well-being, that the black voice and the black lived experience is considered in those boardrooms and you know within the you know spaces that the policymakers have those discussions, and that is why we were set up.
0: So, for people who aren't familiar with the term health inequalities. What does health inequalities mean?
1: There are various factors when we're looking at health inequalities, but it's basically, you know, if we all have access and we know we're privileged in the United Kingdom, free NHS. So yes, you know, people should be able to have access to a GP. But then we're looking at the outcomes. But then also we know there are issues to do with accessing those services because the black community, once again, is not homogeneous. Especially if you look at Black Africans, you know, there will be Black Africans who have French as or Portuguese as their first language. So, therefore, English is not necessarily that. But if we were all to assess services, what are the outcomes? You know, but then also when we look at prevention, you know, is it an equal playing field? Is it really working? Those interventions, are they really working for all of us? You know, and it's those varying levels. That, you know, constitutes what we, you know, obviously there is the, you know, dictionary definition for that. But it's about inequities. It's about some of those structures that by default, you know, makes us less advantaged, you know, compared to other population groups.
0: What would be an example of those disadvantages?
1: So, for example, since we're talking about kidneys, I mean, what we know is that, you know, a black person five times more likely to develop kidney failure because of a number of factors. And I'm, I'm not a clinician, and I, I won't go into that, but we see the data. You know, once again, we're talking about uh, black women and, you know, those who know the embrace data. It's, it's now four times more likely during childbirth, you know, to, to suffer complications or die compared to other population groups. You're talking about stroke twice more likely, you know, for a black person to have stroke compared to other population groups. So it's those things where we hold the mirror, you know, against what, or we look at the data in terms of what is, but but also we've just come out of the COVID-19 pandemic and ONS data talking about the disproportionate impact, you know, of the pandemic. But for some of us, and especially, you know, within the Caribbean African health though, we say that COVID didn't teach us anything new. We were set up to shine a light on some of those health inequities and the wider disparities. And then, you know, whilst we're talking about black or, and then, you know, South Asians twice more likely to die if they contract, you know, COVID, are black women four times more likely during childbirth? So these disparities have been there for a long, long time.
0: So how are you addressing these disparities in terms of the community on a practical level?
1: What we're doing is, first and foremost, have an agenda where we want to ensure that the health literacy of our community is increased. So therefore, we will raise awareness about the disparities because it's not everybody who can read the data and see what the data says. So we try and shine a light on some of those issues. And as an organization, the health priorities we agreed back in 2017, you know, was initially cardiovascular cancers, mental and emotional health, respiratory, you know, blood and immunological conditions, reproductive and sexual health. And for all these six priority areas, there have been health data talking, you know, that's shines a light on the disparity for a long, long time. So what we've been doing, and this started pre-pandemic, we were raising awareness, running our own events. We had a program called Healthy Hearts, where we were getting the volunteer cardiologist, pharmacists, nutritionist, and physical instructor to go into different community settings or church services on Sundays. And then they kind of do 10 minutes presentation each. And then we had a team of black nurses who would then screen, do basic health checks, and then refer people to the IGBs who are doing that. And when the pandemic struck, we thought, what could we do? It would be brilliant to move this online. And so since the 2nd of May, 2020, we've been running webinars every Saturday morning on different health conditions that disproportionately impact the Black community as a way of raising awareness. And then also since the 17th of April, We've been running weekly Healthy Hearts, which is focused on nutrition and physical activity because these things are really important. And since the focus of the show is on kidney, we know there are massive problems and there are high rates of hypertension, type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, obesity within our community, which means that there's extra burden on people's kidneys. And- would the other thing be known across a number of indications or, you know, medical indicators is the fact that our people don't usually take part in clinical trials as well? So I remember when we're raising, you know, awareness of, of the vaccine and saying that is the only scientific solution at that moment. Yes, prevention is brilliant, but if you contract and then talking about people were saying, can you reassure us, you know, it was tested on Black people. And then many people will know the former Secretary of State for Health commissioned an inquiry into medical devices because there were differential readings for Black people. So just based on your skin color, you were getting different readings. So all these things feed into that. So as a community, you know, as an organization, we try and raise awareness to the community so that they understand a prevention Why is it necessary? Because then sometimes when you know your position, it's very easy for you to recognize and take practical steps. So A, for us to discuss why we need to prevent, but also should people sadly contract a long-term condition, then the management and the care is really important. How do we get our people involved in their care? Which means that treatment is really, really essential. And we have an issue where certain sections of our community, of the Black community, will prefer herbal remedies, will prefer, you know, other things because they feel we're becoming too Western when it comes to medications and drugs and treatment and all that. So for us as an organization, raising awareness, emphasizing the importance of prevention but also management and treatment are really, really important so that collectively we can care for each other. But also we know the issues and the challenges. Our Black community less likely to donate kidneys. You know. So the whole organ donation in some sections is a taboo subject. And we know that many people from the Black community are waiting kidney transplant, wait a lot longer. And therefore, because they wait so long, they end up with poorer outcomes when they even get the transplant. So there are some really critical issues. And for us, it's about how we demystify, how we mid-bust, but then how we make sure some of those difficult conversations, people can have it. And hence why our health hour sessions in the morning, on Saturday mornings, we have black doctors, black consultants and GPs, people from our community who understand our foods, who can challenge about the portion sizes, about the salt, about the fat, they can talk to us. And it doesn't feel like people are being talked down to. But it's that brotherly, sisterly conversation.
0: I think it's really important what you said that the medical professionals, the GPs who are addressing these concerns, people from the black community have are black, because this is, a topic that comes up very frequently on the podcast that there is this high level of mistrust between members of the black community and the medical profession. And you have these webinars and people are getting information that will address these taboos. So can we talk a bit more about that? So what other type of issues come up in terms of the mistrust of the medical profession that? You as an organization are trying to address and debunk.
1: It's really important that and we can't understate or overstate the lack of you know trust. And it is worth saying that some of that is historic. You know, there are historic issues that has led to where the black community is now. And you know, we know there are allies there, there are people who get the challenges. I've met people who grew up, white people who grew up in South Africa during apartheid, and I've seen firsthand experience. But also, we can learn, you know, the challenges of discrimination from, you know, other protected characteristics. So we get it. I suppose the real importance of having people from black community who are clinicians who work within the NHS to come and speak to their fellow people is one trying to say, this system, the health system, is not just why we work in it. And I'll give you an example. Because we started running these webinars on the 2nd of May 2020, when the vaccine was first signed off, we knew that there were issues because at the start of the pandemic, we set up various WhatsApp groups for community leaders. So even before the first vaccine was signed off, we knew there were issues. But then, when the first one was signed off, and coincidentally, this was Pfizer, some people were saying to us, How can we trust for the Pfizer vaccine when in Nigeria Pfizer conducted a clinical trial, misrepresented some of the outcomes, but they didn't seek proper consent, and it ended up getting some children disabled for life? So, those were issues, and therefore, some people said, I will not touch a Pfizer vaccine. I can't trust them. Because we had an issue where the community felt this whole thing was a hoax, you know, and various conspiracy theories. So therefore, you know, in order to have that engagement about the COVID, about the vaccines, we had to get Black doctors to lead some of those discussions. But equally, the role of faith leaders, and predominantly for the Black African it's black church leaders and black imams to have some of those discussions because there are things that people as- allude to, cultural and religious you know, reasons. So we needed them as part of that. So when we decided, okay, let's get some of the black doctors who have had the Pfizer vaccine you know, to come on the show or take part in the webinar and share their experience, we put a call out to our volunteer doctors we ended up with 16 GPs and consultants, black, that had the vaccine. And the webinar on the Saturday morning ended up becoming a big national one. We had 1,000 people on Zoom, 800 across YouTube, Facebook for the live session, even the then vaccines Minister came on for the last half hour. And the, I can tell you, at any point in time, there were many more people waiting to join the Zoom. We had exceeded, we had reached our limit of 1,000. As soon as the vaccines minister came on, we lost about 55 because our people wanted to hear doctors and people who look like them and speak like them, which is really, really important. And so therefore, that thing we can't over. But also there's studies in the US that we've seen if a black woman gives birth and it's a black consultant or the team there, you know, they are Blacks, then there's a higher chance of the baby's survival. So these things have been, you know, various research out there. And then we have some of our GPs and they talk about when people from our community go to their practice, they specifically ask for them. They want to speak to them because they feel at home. And so it's really important for people to understand that there are historic issues And therefore, because we are a minoritized community, the real issue when it comes to this is, will I be listened to? Would I be trusted? Will I be treated with the dignity that I deserve? And don't forget, we live in still with the legacy of colonialism and slavery. And some of those have not been dealt with. People, not just in the United Kingdom, in the US and other places, are talking of reparation. They're talking of formal apology for how we have been treated. And those historic scars. And this leads to intergenerational trauma. And the, the other final example, when we talk about the lack of trust, we had Black church leaders during the first wave of the pandemic saying to us that they needed support for people who were bereaved. They were conducting three, four funerals a week, but because of lockdown, they couldn't go to people's homes and ask if we could support. We put a call out and brought together six Black British Association of Counselors and Psychotherapy, trained counsellors to start our mental health service. Although in Greater Manchester, where the organisation started, there was a bereavement hub where people who are bereaved could get some support from what we saw was tens of people coming to our service, whereas in the mainstream service, no black people were not accessing that service. We did a survey to understand the impact of COVID on the Caribbean African community across Greater Manchester. 73% said they wanted to assess services that are Black-led. All this are not new. They have been there. People have been talking about it, but lots of data to prove that as well. And this month of October, when the 2021 census data is released, we will see that Black, Asian, minority ethnic population will go up compared to 2011, meaning that our demographics, our cities, our country is changing. And therefore, we need to review the service we're providing to people.
0: How can people access your service?
1: We have a helpline that people can call, they can text, they can WhatsApp. But also, the helpline is 077-100-22382. People can also go on our website, www.cahn.org. The UK. We're also on the various social media platforms, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Reddit, you name it, Facebook. We are on all, all those platforms as well. And yes, there are various other, I mean, our Tuesday and Saturday weekly events are available. People can log in as well. And it's live stream from Zoom onto YouTube and Facebook. And, and the login details are the same. Also, people can email us at help at con.org.uk.
0: We've talked about the health inequalities and the challenges that the Black community face in terms of health. But how can we change that narrative?
1: I think it's really important that the way the community is viewed is not with a deficit approach. The Black community has been part of the UK. Many African and Caribbean countries have been part of the Commonwealth. So we've not just arrived. And one of the objectives for Khan is championing the assets within the Black community. Hence why we utilize our Black health professionals, allied health professionals, nurses, and many other people in their own professions, solicitors and all that. Because we're talking about health inequalities, we're talking about kidneys, some of those challenges. We have people within the NHS. The Black community's involvement in the NHS and other spheres of society didn't start in recent times. A key moment was the Windrush generation and how 74 years ago, nearly 500 people arrived to help build the NHS. They were invited over to build the NHS. And right across Every sector of society, people from the black community, you would find it's not coincidence that we now have the first black chancellor in the UK. We have assets. You talk about the various professions, you look at culture, arts, sports. We have been part of it. And so therefore, it's really important to view the community with respect from a strengths-based approach, we are not hard to reach. It's the model of engagement that usually hasn't worked. The challenges and how we refer to our times hasn't helped either. We're not Afro-Caribbeans. Afro refers to, air, and they are Africans, they are Caribbeans, and it's about treating people With dignity. But also, sometimes a challenge we've had is where systems deny that there's racism and discrimination. Unless there's that recognition that more needs to be done, and where we work with various community leaders, then nothing will change.
0: That is so powerful. I think it's so important that we celebrate and recognise the contribution of the black community towards building the NHS. And while we're talking about celebration and recognition, I know that you have a celebration gala coming up. So please, can you tell the listeners about the celebration gala?
1: So massive thanks, Dee, for, for the opportunity. I want to appeal to all your listeners. On the 22nd of October, At the Hilton Deansgate in Manchester, we'll be hosting our third gala. It will be an occasion where we're celebrating the fifth anniversary of the organization. Because it's Black History Month, there will be an awards section to it as well, where we're going to recognize unsung heroes, collaboration, campaigns, and really say thank you to our allies and our supporters. It's a ticketed event. We're encouraging people to come together, buy a table. You know, we're appealing for raffle auction prizes as well, just to be able to fundraise and support our work. So please go on our website, book your ticket or book a table for your family and support this invaluable work. We want to make sure things change within a generation. Therefore, it means it's a marathon and not a sprint. And we know the importance of money and funding and resourcing. So it's our passionate appeal and our humble plea get on our website, book your tickets, and come and support this amazing work we're doing. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing information about health inequalities and for sharing about the amazing work that Khan caribbean and african health network are doing with the black community thank you so much thank you for listening to diary of a kidney warrior podcast and don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle diary of a kidney warrior please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend new episodes of this podcast are released every other monday until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a
1: Kitty Warrior, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love.